He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to golfoklahoma.org. Check it all out. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. Not on a Monday. We are here on a Tuesday. The PGA Tour decided to throw off our schedule this week. No Sam Humphreys this week as he is on his honeymoon. Had fun hanging out with the Humphreys and watching he and Reagan get hitched on Saturday night. And uh, Taylor and I with you here today to talk about all things golf. One show this week because as Tropical Storm Henry decided to upend the Northern Trust on Sunday. Nine inches of rain they got in a short period of time. It's amazing how good of shape the golf course was in considering all the rain they got. And boy, is Tony Finau glad that it did not get shortened to 54 holes because he, for the first time since the 2016 Puerto Rico Open, has won a PGA Tour event. Not only has he won a PGA Tour event, but Taylor, he won one with a strength of field of 828 the monkey is officially off of Tony Finau's back. Yeah, you you have to say it is because what I think's funny too, Colby, is that everyone keeps talking about how well it's been a long time since he had his his last win, his last win. But I'm I'm sorry, I do not consider opposite field events regular PGA Tour wins. When you're the caliber of player that Tony Finau is, I know it's still a, technically a win, but at the same time, it's you know just if you like like we just saw, if you only win the Puerto Rico Open, you have to validate it at some other point 100%. going forward. And it, Fina- it, it holds less weight. Uh, 100%, even compared to just the Rocket Mortgage or Paul Azinger's favorite Honda Classic. You know, <laughs> just even a random tournament like that, it's such a drastic difference. And so I, I consider this, in all honesty, Kobe, I think this was Tony Finau's actually first win. And I'll, I'll say it didn't come at the best time in particular because um, for anyone listening to our last show, I did have Cam Smith in the one and done. I was actually, we were talking about it Sam's wedding, Kobe. I was wanting the hurricane to come through and just uh, blow the course apart so him and Rom could go into a playoff because they were tied after Saturday. And had they not been able to play, that's what would have had to happen. And so I was thinking, well, you know, if we just get into a playoff and probably lose to Rom, which I thought would happen, that wouldn't be bad. And so... It, it was a little bittersweet, though, because even though it's kind of what I wanted, a solo second anyway, that was kind of the highest for Cam Smith, the way that it ended was really bad on 18, or in the playoff, or the 73rd hole, as a matter of fact, because he went... The 73rd in, hole! Because he went off and hit it into the Hudson Bay or whatever freaking ocean is over there. I think it hit the Statue of Liberty on the fly. It, it might, it, and it almost probably came back in. <laughs> it it would have had almost ricochet effect, but, I mean, I... I and we saw it a little bit yesterday, too. Cam Smith was wild with the driver. He lost over two strokes, I believe, yes, uh, yesterday tee to, or off the tee. And he so, wasn't the only one in his group, by the way. No, no, no. Fair, fairways were at a premium in the Cam Smith-John Rom group on the back nine and then obviously in the playoff with Cam Smith. I mean, that's what cost Rom. Rom's got the cut working, you know, basically for the last three months. And then the back nine, the cut stopped cutting. He 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 was seemed to have such control over his golf ball for, for the whole tournament, it seemed like. And then, like, for example, on hole five yesterday, that Cam Smith, he could just play that hole at three over par for the week. He would have won the tournament. But it, and he hits it almost left of the pond that's like 80 yards wide. And there's out of bounds right, such a narrow hole. 
And Rom's just able to aim up the left side where that water is and just know that the ball is not going left. Hits right in the middle of the fairway. And that, and that hole is playing dead into the wind, so it makes it even harder to commit to a shot like that. And it just seemed like Rom was in total control. I had There was no doubt in my mind at any point until the last hole that Rom wasn't going to win the tournament. But something I want to get into even a little bit more, Colby, is, is that we talk about all the time with Rom that his anger is an issue, and that's what's held him up in some majors. Obviously, him winning the U.S. Open kind of kind of stopped that. But I think his anger got to him yesterday. I think that that's what – once he did not birdie 16, he, he was not in the, the right frame of mind. Then he hit a horrible drive on 17, obviously wasn't able to make birdie. Made a really good par, actually, and then just didn't have it coming in. So I think that he, he let his mental grass slip on a tournament that he could have easily won had and been able to keep it just a little bit more together on those last couple holes. Yeah, I mean, how often do you lead a golf tournament for four and a half days and you don't hoist the trophy? Because that's what John Rahm did. And I would even go back to Saturday. I think on the 13th hole Saturday, if John Rahm's four iron carries the water, man, there's a decent chance that the seven that he made on that hole turns into a three or a four, and then he gets too far out in front of the field where he can put it on cruise control, and other guys have to start pressing, and it just and it probably would have been his tournament. Now, that's not how it works out. And I've got to say, Tony Finau, I mean, the second shot that he ended the 13 was ridiculous. It was an eagle in the middle of two birdies. He makes the 30-footer for birdie on 14. He gets up and in from greenside on 16 for birdie. So he played a five-hole stretch, 12 through 16, at five under. That is Big-time stuff from Tony Finau, a guy who, throughout his career, he's been the guy who can't close. He's been the guy who can't hoist the trophy. Steps up on 18, pipes it down the middle in regulation. Bad approach shot, makes a great six-footer for par after a good bunker shot. Playoff, what's he do? Steps up, pipes it down the middle with all the pressure on him, puts it in the middle of the green, two putts. It was... I mean, a huge, I would imagine, emotional, physical, just such a release for Tony Finau because this has been a weight that he has had to carry for five years now. And, and it's not only been a weight, it has become his entire reputation on the PGA Tour. And yesterday, he took that reputation, he ripped it into about a million pieces, and he scattered it out into the Atlantic Ocean. And I just, I, I know you had Cam Smith in the one and done. I know you wanted him to get it done, but I could not be happier for Tony Finau. Yeah, and I think, too, this is something that gets overshadowed a lot of times, I think, is that they mentioned when, when the Rom Cam Smith, Van Royen group was on 16T that they were on the clock at one point yesterday yep. during the round, and they were a hole and a half behind Finau and them. Well, Finau, Finau's group's playing so fast that he has to wait for two other groups to play hole 18 before he even get tee off. He 20, had, 20 minutes they stood there. I mean, you have, you're waiting to try to get your first win. You obviously have the monkey on your back that you can't win, and he steps up and just pipes it down the middle. And you notice, too, that he was, even before he hit the shot, they showed it that he was he was chatting with the group and he was being talkative and trying to stay laid back. And, and that's that's really awesome that he was able to know that about himself to enable him to not let the long wait get to him and see the negatives from it and grab the positives because he just stepped up and flushed it. And... I, I will say this. I, I hope that people don't look at it and say, oh, well, Cam Smith just handed him the tournament because he hit it into the ocean. But Finau, like you mentioned, Coles 12 through 16, he played him so well. That eagle on 13 was just immaculate. And so that's and it was such an easy eagle. He made it look so easy. That's the stuff that you do to win tournaments. Yeah. Like, and 
you, you want to look at someone like Rom, and we, we kind of brought this up about his driving the last couple of holes, but he lost 2.35 yesterday putting. So, I mean, he if he could have just gotten a couple of putts to fall, he would have had a chance. But that's the kind of breaks that you take. Rom, I still think, is playing the best golf of anyone in the world, world, world right now. He just let his emotions and this putts not falling in get to him. But one thing I do, I have one question for you, Colby. And I'm not I'm not just saying this because I had Cam Smith. I, I have a, this is a legitimate question. We were talking about this on Saturday. How can a bay not be a water hazard? Oh, on eighteen? How is hey, that I, not water? It it's literally water. Is that definition of it? I don't know. The the only thing that I could think is so f- when they were teeing off in the playoff, the camera angle you could see that there's like a bike path down there on the right. And I don't like, does the bike path run all the way up there? And because maybe that's city owned property with that bike path, it's not allowed to be a hazard because then they'd have people jumping the wall, going into the hazard to hit their ball. So they have to make it out of bounds. I mean, I, I'm just grasping at straws here, trying to rationalize how you hit the ball in the water and it's out of bounds. It, uh, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense because we saw Harold Varner on Saturday with his second shot into 18. He was in the left rough, blocked it miles, right? Hits in the water. He's OB. Has to drop hitting hitting four from the same spot. I don't know. It didn't make a ton of sense, but my only guess would be the bike path down there. Well, and see, I I, I had never seen this before. I played a course in California called uh, West Winchester, I believe, and it was one of those native line courses. And like I said, I'd never seen this before. But they had areas off of the fairway that were that were hazards, but they were marked off, and they had signs that said, "You are not allowed to look for your ball in this area because it was an environmental thing. It was oh. like there's wildlife." that lives here yeah. you can't destroy the plants walking in there but it was still a hazard it, just because you couldn't go in there you were still able to go up and drop and okay. that kind of thing but it was you're off limits you can't go here so, so I have a question let's say you get up there and your ball is in by a foot and you might not know this you off the top of your head couldn't play it you can't, you can't play it couldn't play it at okay all. Nope. you're not even supposed to reach out and grab it nope Mm-mm. okay yep. and so I don't see why they don't didn't do that on 18 I it's literally, a, I'm trying to figure out what bay it is. It's literally a body of water <laughs> that is to the right, and it's out of bounds somehow. And I, I hate the out of bounds rule, so that's really what's leading to this. But how can a body of water be not a wa- water hazard? or what? The, is that what it is? Because now it's a penalty area, not water hazard. Yeah, penalty area. I know one thing. It sucked all the drama out of the playoff because Tony Finau pipes it down the middle. And it's like, all right, if Cam hits the fairway, here we go. Let's throw some irons in there. And then Cam blocks at OB, and it's like, well, that pretty much... Uh, that pretty much settles that. And then not only that, Cam Smith almost pumped the second one out of bounds. The second one was only in bounds by a couple of yards. Probably uh, it, it could have very easily gotten over that wall, and then he has to lay up, and it's just a mess. Tony Finau went ahead and tapped in his three-footer for the win. He didn't make Cam Smith grind over his six, uh, his putt for a six and tap in for a seven. So it was, it was good for Tony Finau to get the win. Um, here's my question. Is that a choke from Cam Smith, or did he just make a bad golf swing at the wrong time? Uh, I will say that because the reason I don't say it's a choke is because he birdied 16 and 17 to, to get, get in, in the playoff get in the playoff and he didn't bogey any holes really down the stretch. Right. And so I think that it was, he was loose with the driver yesterday for sure. And, and I want to, I'll, I want to ask a question. He, he's been about loose with the driver. He, Mem- Memphis. He was tied going to the 72nd hole at Memphis and he sprayed it out right in the trees. Almost hit it out of bounds. Well, he's, he's kind of got that. He's kind of got a inside and then up swing. So he gets a little across the line and they even mentioned this yesterday. Amy Baker Finch said that his, his back leg can get straighter, which, which, which did happen a couple of times down the stretch. And whenever you do that, you turn too much and he's not able to get back to where he needs to be at impact. So he stands up and flips at it, which, 
is why – or he doesn't flip at it, which is why he either hooks it like he did on five or he blocks it like he did on 18. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why – I know Cam has won in playoffs before, but – like we've seen, this isn't the first time that we saw his swing break down under a little bit of pressure, and I think he's got a couple elements there that could be healed. One question I want to ask you ask you about, Colby, and it's kind of a little deeper than the tournament even. This can relate to all golfers. So brought up Cam Smith's hole uh, number five, where he hit it out of bounds on Thursday, and he almost hooked it left of the pond yesterday. It's obviously a hole that, does, that didn't suit his eye. We, we all play... Every single golfer has played a hole or has a hole at their course that doesn't suit their eye. How – and I've been trying to figure this out. And the, the best example I know of is to have a go-to shot constantly that you can go to, like an automatic fairway finder, the best of your ability. But I feel like that that's one of the things that is a, such a mental hurdle in golf that doesn't get talked about a lot is that just for whatever reason, everyone's different. Random just holes just do not suit your eye and you cannot make a committed swing on them. And it's like, how do you get around when that happens? So, I mean, do you have any examples from you, Colby? I know there's probably some, like you remember out at the greens, there are probably some holes out there that, you know, you kind of pucker up a little bit when you step on the tee. Yeah, I mean, the greens is – out there I've got a lot of tee shots that are just kind of so-so, but not necessarily mental blocks. But I've got an easy one off the top of my head. The 13th hole at Golf Club of Edmond. If you've played, ever played the 13th hole at Golf Club of Edmond, uh, I don't play it tipped out. I play it from the Blues. So, play from the Blues, the – Hole sets up, it's a par four, it's fairly narrow up the left side, but the right side is blocked off by trees off the tee box. So you have to aim left, the wind's always blowing 15 to 20 off the right. So if you don't play a little fade, it's almost hard to keep the ball in play there, and I have tried everything off that tee box. I've tried driver a bunch of times. It always lands in play, takes one hop, hops in the weeds, and uh, and I have to go looking for it in the trees. I've tried to take a three wood, leave it short. That leaves you so far back behind trees, you've got even more trouble. I've tried to cut a two iron off that tee box to get it out to the right to where even if I've got 210 going into the green, I've at least got an open look. I I still don't know how to play that hole. I uh, It's a par four. For me, it's pretty much a par six. I start the back nine at Golf Club of Edmond two over pretty much every time I, I play that golf course, and I don't know how to get over it. So it is... It is mental, and sometimes there's just a hole that you just can't figure out. And, I mean, yeah, I've been there. I played Golf Club Edmond on Friday. I made a six on that hole. Hit driver, piped it, little baby draw, wind off the right, got it, landed in play, one hopped out, ended up taking a drop, making six. It's just, that's golf, man. When, when a golf hole gets in your head, I don't know how you get it out. I've, I've seen players, some of the best players in the world, playing at the best of their ability, step up on a random hole and hit the hit one of the worst shots you'll ever see. And it's like, why does that happen? It, it It's so strange. And, like, for me, it can... Holes that get in my head are, like, for example, when if there's out of bounds or a water hazard that's on on either side of you and it comes in, it narrows in more towards yeah. the fairway as, as the hole gets longer. For whatever reason, that look just kind of gets in my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that you have to get over because you can't just not play holes that are like that. And it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Skip the 13th hole at Golf Club of Edmond every time you play it? Right. You know, it's like there has to be some way to get it figured out. And, I mean, we saw with Cam Smith, he, he lost the tournament because of one hole. He played 72 holes, and he played that hole horribly all week. And had he been able to I, – I don't know what the right – and it's different for everyone. I mean, like you said, you've tried hitting – duck slices off the tee box you hit (laughs) every club you've hit driver three wood two iron probably five iron at some point it's like what do you do and 
I don't know. I was just watching him. I was watching Cam, and I watched him hit that shot, and I remember what he did on Thursday, and I said, you know what? This is something that I've thought very little about but has so much importance in golf that it's it's really ironic how it doesn't get talked about much. Yeah, it is. I mean, there, there are mental blocks on certain golf holes, uh, and you just can't get over it. So, uh, anyway, it was a great tournament. I Liberty National was an easy golf course. It was soft, bunch of rain. Uh, ball was really just, I mean, it was easy. They could control everything. It's like Tony Finau on 13. He takes the six iron, he throws it to the moon, it lands right next to the hole, and it stops right next to the hole. He kicks it in for eagle. So, course conditions were easy, but I thought that it was a great first playoff event. One thing I'll say is that this has gotten a little bit overshadowed just because it's been so long since it happened. I may be wrong on this number, but it's what they said on the broadcast. There was eight 62s shot on Friday. Eight. And that's... It's a poor on set. Friday or for the whole tournament? For On Friday. Okay. And... Or maybe either way, I, it can either be way. Either, for both days. It, it, that could, it doesn't matter. And obviously, there was and, a sixty. And, Cam Smith. And the reason I say that too, it's par seventy-one, Colby. I mean, yeah. that's nine under par, and it's. I, I remember a couple years ago, I was reading a, a golf magazine, and it was a it was a random uh, poll of players. It basically, was like the annual rotation of courses. What are your favorites? And Augusta, Colonial, Riviera, the Bay Hill. You know, the usuals were up top. And I remember very distinctly Liberty National being DFL on that list. It was right when the course was new, and I, I figured it was just because it was firm and, and hadn't really settled in. But I, when when I think about that, that the players really didn't like the course, and then I see that there's so many low scores being shot, especially on that Friday, I'm just thinking, you know, what what could be done to make this, this course better, in a sense? Because there's obviously, I think there's a little thing missing. It's got the scenery, obviously, that 14th hole, maybe one of the most beautiful holes in golf. The oh, I mean, three. overlooking the skyline, the New York skyline is just awesome. Oh, the statue, I mean, it's just, it's immaculate. But I think that the course could be better in some ways. I do like the 16th hole. I think that the good risk reward. Great part, hole. I, I like that hole coming in. But I and 13 I think is a good hole too. But I do think there are some some tweaks that could be done to the course. Maybe some narrow fairways that thing. But like you said, Colby, when the course gets soft, you give these players ball in hand and with some smooth greens, it's just lights out. Yeah, I mean on Monday after nine inches of rain, you know, I mean guys have ball in hand after nine inches of rain. Ball's just going to land and stop. Just makes their lives really easy. Well, like when you got guys like Phenon Rom who are still carrying it. Through 315 and every ball is plugging yep. and not rolling no matter what. So it allows you, first of all, it allows you to hit more fairways because your ball's not running. And two, you can put it on the best lie possible, which, um, which what I think makes uh, Finau's shot into 18 even worse because he had a perfect lie in the middle of fairway. We know that. It's a horrible shot, great up and down, but the shot that he hit was horrible. And so had he got, not got that up and down oh, yeah. or had he lost the playoff, I, I think. We'd be talking an entirely different story today. I mean, so 180, it's not even funny. And Fina would be on the extreme side of, you know, he's is is he ever going to win? Because it, it was that it could have been that bad. But he finally got that breakthrough win. With it being a playoff event too, this is just going to cement his career. And it might we talk about it with with some guys. It might open the floodgates. He might have ten wins in the next 
18 months. It absolutely might open the floodgates. You know what else might open the floodgates? Our good friends at Clubby, opening the floodgates with Clubby, flowing down the rivers of Oklahoma. It's a more drinkable version of the Oklahoma staple, the club special, the official seltzer of slicing limes. Not drives, lemon lime, natural flavoring. It has electrolytes, does not contain artificial flavors. Perfect for a hot day on or off the golf course. Clubbies are specifically formulated for golfers of Andy. Every handicap makes shooting any score bearable. The freshest, smoothest, leanest, greenest, number one seltzer in golf. Uh, Our man Sam Humphreys is on his honeymoon. He will be joining us here in just a little bit. After the break, Sam's going to join us, answer a few questions about the Northern Trust this week. We're going to figure out what they're doing on their honeymoon and maybe even get him to give us a DraftKings lineup and maybe a best bet for this week's uh, BMW championship. So, Taylor, Northern Trust was great. Let's take a look at the FedEx Cup official standings because it's the playoffs, so we're knocking 55 guys out after week one. So, first off, we'll start with some of the guys that went from out to in. So, from out to in, we'll start, I believe the highest one up that went from out to in would be Alex Norin. Had a high finish, goes from 91 to 43 in the standings. That's big time. Gives him a chance now to even advance to Eastlake with a decent performance this week. We've got Eric Van Royen who went from 76 to 45. Tom Hoagie went from 108 to 48. That's a huge jump for Tom Hoagie. Uh, Let's see. Who else do we have? 72 to 56 for Harold Varner III. We had Keith Mitchell go from 101 to 63. And Taylor Keith Mitchell was maybe the story of the afternoon whenever you talk about guys qualifying to get to the BMW championship. Keith Mitchell only gets in if he birdies 16, 17, and 18. What's Keith Mitchell do? He birdies 16, 17, and 18 and gets himself in baller to the BMW status, championship. Absolute is, baller status. It's crazy. I mean, and he, he got really lucky on 17. He snap hooked it horribly. He was like 50 yards left of the fairway, which actually gave him a good angle into Great the pin. angle. And just stiffed it. And then one thing that wasn't really talked about is that I do believe that he did need to make the putt on, on 18 to get in, but I, they were saying maybe a par could have done it. It would have been out of his hands. But he hit that putt firm. It, it could have went four feet by. And yeah. then a four-footer to extend your the rest of your season, that's not very easy to do. But And and before we get into um, – here, actually, we'll, we have one go, more, go. by the way. Harry Higgs went Harry from Higgs. 80th to 69th. And, uh, if you're looking for who's exactly on the bubble, Phil Mickelson gets in at number 70. And our guy, local guy here, Matthew Wolf. Out at number 71. Drops from 59 to 71 this past week. So, uh, tough for Wolf. Phil just barely sneaks in. Yeah, and and I, I really hate to see that for Wolf. I, with everything that, that he's been going through, would have loved to see him keep going. But he could have could have made the cut this week and changed that. It is what it is. But and we'll talk. We talked about some guys who who were out and in. We'll talk about some other guys. I see here. Uh, Mr. Skill Matthew Fitzpatrick went from sixty to seventy three. Terrell Hatton went from sixty three to seventy four. Remarkably disappointing seasons for both of those guys. To not, to not advance the BMW Championship for Fitzpatrick or Hatton? Hatton was top 10 player in the world start the season. And, hey, that's that loaded uh, European team that Sam loves so much. And so... Uh, well, well, watch. They'll turn into Jack and Tiger in their primes at, at Whistling Straits. That, that, that guaranteed will. And some other guys who, who got left out. Then I want to ask you a question, Colby, about, about this system. So, Martin Laird was 65th. He went to 75th. Troy Merritt and JT Poston were both 69 and 70. They dropped respectively. Um, and this is my question for you, Colby. And so, we'll probably get into this even a little bit more next week, but... The whole point of them switching the format, the Tour Championship, was to simplify things, was it not? At the uh, end of the season? It was the idea. Okay, and so 
here's my question. Okay, so the idea was try to simplify it, right? Because the point system was too convoluted. No one knew what was going on. Is that not exactly what's going on right now with, with places 65 to 75? Literally, Seamus Power yesterday birdied his 17th hole to get in and then bogeyed his 18th hole to get out. And yeah, it, it's, it's... So to me, the tour championship a few years ago was different because you could have... Coming down the stretch, you're, you're literally playing for two different trophies, two different titles, and one guy could finish like fourth in the tournament and win the title. I, I kind of understand the Seamus Power thing more because I don't know where he was at exactly on the leaderboard, but let's say a par at 18 would have kept him at T7 for the tournament, and T7 gets him enough points that he's 67th in the season-long races. But if he bogeys there, all of a sudden now he's T12, and T12 doesn't get him as many points, so that only gets him enough points to where now he's 72 in the rankings. So is it hard to follow? Yes, but does it kind of make sense to me? Also, yes, I think. Okay, here, here's my question, and this is this is where I stand on it. If if you're gonna have the convoluted system to, and and like I said, I understood I understood it all. I didn't like the change for the church championship at all. That's why I'm bringing this up. If you're gonna have that system for the bottom places to see who advances, why do you need a different system for who's at the top? And and you change it for the last week. That's the thing. It's like it's not. The, whole, the point system is the exact same for all these players up until the Tour Championship. Then they just start them with some arbitrary, you're minus 10 or even, and they just say, off, off, here you go. And I just, I, I just think that if you want to simplify it, you have to try to do it in all areas. It's like, why are you going to be uh, confusing and convoluted? Well, if this guy birdies this hole, or like Keith Mitchell said, he could have parred 18, and then it's out of his hands if he goes on win a tournament. I don't have a pro- I guess they want to try and make it TV to where, like you said, you're not competing for two trophies, but I don't know. I, I just see the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship being two different entities, and I guess the Tour doesn't want them to be. Is That's the only thing that I can see that makes it right. I don't know. I, I just didn't like the change at the Tour Championship, and seeing the fact that we still have what a lot of people would say is a confusing point system. It's like, make up your mind, PJ Tour. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I liked the Tour Championship system better back when, like, when Tiger won the Tour Championship, Justin Rose won the FedEx Cup that year. and, and He I, had to get up and down on 18 yes. to win it, too. There yep. was a lot of pressure there. Yep, and I had no problem with it going down like that. I think the problem is decision makers look at other sports, and they're like, NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, all these other sports, you play the playoffs, you get to the end, you play, and then somebody hoists a trophy. That team wins. That's the winner. You win. Congrats. You're the champion. And for whatever reason, I think that people wanted to have that in golf, but a season-long race in golf is not the same as just coming down to one tournament because kind of to your point, so we got 125 guys that played at Liberty National this last week. It would be rather ridiculous for us to go in and have number one in the FedEx Cup points start at 125 under and let's work our way all the way down until the guy in last starts at one under par and then top 70 finishers that week get in. It'd be absolutely ridiculous. That's what we do at the Tour Championship. We start with one guy at 10 under, we work our way down, and whoever's the most under par at the end of the week wins for the entire season. That to, 15 me, million. that to me makes so much less sense than everybody starting at even par. Let's play four rounds at Eastlake. Wherever you finish, you get however many points are assigned to that slot. And wherever that puts you in the season-long points race is wherever that puts you in the season-long points race. I, like you, Taylor, had no problem with them giving out two trophies. I thought it was a better system to identify the better player that week and the better player for the entire season. And now I don't think that 
it really does that quite as much. I don't like the new system. No, I, I completely agree. And, th- and to your point, it's exactly right. Why do you change? Why do you have the first two playoff events? That there used to be four playoff events. So why do you, why did you why do you have two playoff events now? Have a completely different system than the last tournament. It right. it, it, it doesn't add up to me. But at like all. it'd be goofy if Tony Finau started at seventy under this week, and then like our guy Taylor Gooch started at at, uh, at three under. Yeah, it'd be it'd be stupid. It'd be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that's what we do for the tour championship. So, um, to give out fifteen million dollars, yeah, to give out fifteen million. But not only that, I mean. Some guys who get there, a lot of those guys are PGA Tour winners. That's how they get there. A lot of those guys have just had good seasons plotting along with a couple T7s here and there, and then, you know, they have a good finish at, at the Northern Trust and the BMW, and all of a sudden they have a chance to win, maybe, at East Lake in a smaller field, easier tournament to win in a smaller field. And then, you know, they might shoot the lowest score for four rounds and they can't win because they started at even par. Yeah. It's just, it's tough. It's a tough system. But uh, anyway, there was other golf played this past week. Anna Nordquist wins the uh, Women's Open at Carnoustie. Did you see the, uh, boy, I don't even want to say the word. Did you see the golf ball that came off the hosel of the golf club and went in the very wrong direction from one of the ladies tied for the lead on number 18? I believe that would be called the El Hazel. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want to refer to it by any other name. I, it was 90 degrees to the right. Listener, put your... Uh, you know your uh, senses to the test here, and know w- what we're talking about. Yeah, it was it it was very much the worst golf show you could hit at the worst time possible on eighteen in a major. I mean, Anna Norquist played great. She wins it at twelve under par. Uh, three players right behind her: Georgia Hall, Madeline Saxstrom, and Lizette Salas. Uh, Nellie Corda, who we all thought was going to be the winner this week, good week. T thirteen, nothing wrong with T thirteen, but didn't really have it going uh, on the weekend. Only broke seventy one out of four rounds. Opened with a sixty seven, and after she opened with a sixty seven, I think it was like, okay, here comes Nellie Corda. She shot sixty seven, which I believe was tied for the first round lead, um, and then. It she didn't break 70 again the final three days. Ends up finishing T13, but Anna Norquist gets it done. Three-time major winner now, Anna Norquist. She probably, uh, I would say at this point, deserves more respect in the women's game as a three-time major champion. Uh, I think the fact that she's from Sweden and just doesn't get quite the pub that some of these other players get, the Korda sisters, Danielle Kang, obviously the Americans, but then even the uh, the women from Korea with Envy Park and uh, Minji Lee and some of these these girls over there, uh, Anna Norquist needs to start getting the respect that she deserves as a three-time major champion. Yeah, and she's been, she's been out there for a while, too. I mean, most of these ladies are young. I'm not sure what exactly her age is, but I know that she's been out on the tour for for a little bit and I'm just scrolling down here through here Kobe I just gotta give a shout out the legend Laura Davies herself shot a nice solid 8 or 16 over on the last round to finish 10 over DFL on the round so I, I just 16 over that's impressive I mean that's almost bogey golf that's pretty good. That's pretty close. I need to pull up the scorecard. Give me one second. Yeah, pull up the card. We I gotta got, know. We I, gotta I gotta know how we got to figure out my there. girl Laura Davies. How, how did we shoot the sixteen over? So that I, would be. I don't know 86. if we made like a fifteen on one hole, or if there were like sixteen bogeys, two pars. One thing we didn't talk about the Northern Trust. This might have been happening, Laura Davies. How about our boy uh, Victor Hoffman breaking his putter and having to putt with the oh, no. iron wedge, whatever it was he had coming in? It was borderline justified. I mean, I believe he made a quad on five. He made, I think, another bogey on seven, and then maybe a triple on eight. Some, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe it was a double on eight. I mean, it got away from him real quick, but oh. Victor Hovland is very much the happy-go-lucky guy on tour, so to see him putting with a wedge because he broke his putter, uh, losing his temper, it just shows it can happen to anybody. Number one, that's what it shows, and number two, it shows it's not 
worth it. Because then he had to play the rest of the round with a wedge. He continued to backpedal on the scoreboard. A lot of FedEx cut points and money on the line. It's not worth it. Don't break your golf clubs. No, no, yeah, especially when, at least we'll know that he'll get a new one free. Okay, so I did misread that. So she finished six over, 16 over for the tournament. She shot 10 over in the last day, which was an 82. But she did have two birdies and shot 82. Is that is that better? Okay, so here we go. We went because I shot eighty Friday with two birdies, and trust me, it didn't feel good. Okay, so we went par, bogey, double. Okay, so we're three over through three. That's all right. We can rebound. Then we went par, bogey, par, 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 par. Okay, so we finished with forty. That's not bad. Then we go uh, bogey, par, birdie. All right, so now we're feeling it. Par, birdie. Oh hell, dude. We're I mean this. We're the, gonna play the last good. four holes are gonna be a disaster. We went bogey, bogey, double, triple. Oh. <laughs> The dreaded, what is that, seven over on the last four? Uh, Let's see, three, five, seven over through four holes, yeah. I've been there. I have too, unfortunately. I've been there. Golf's hard. It is, especially at Carnoustie. That makes sense. Might I recommend pickleball for anybody going through a seven over through four hole stretch? Started to play some pickleball. You never go seven over for four holes. Might lose a couple points in a row, but you just keep hitting the ball. It's just, it's not as frustrating. Colby, your body can only play so many sports. You go to physical therapy like eight times a week. You gotta, start, you gotta start taking it easy, man. That's a good point. Start seeing a chiropractor too. Did you really? Yeah, it's great. On a regular basis? Yep. I know you, I know you used to go to one like once a month. Yep, I'm going tomorrow. Can't wait. Is Cannot it wait. Upper or lower back? Normal. Uh neck and shoulder and then lower back. Yeah. So so it all I got all sorts of problems. Yeah. But neck and shoulder probably has a little bit to do with the pickleball. It probably and then the back probably has to do with the golf. So it probably has to do with the fact that you sleep in your bed with your three dogs that are all over 100 pounds. Uh, only one of them's over 100 pounds. Now, another one's like 97, but, I mean, we're splitting well, hairs. What's the, of your three dogs, which one's the smallest? What's uh, the smallest The pound? smallest would be our guy, Emmett. He's our rescue. He weighs about 70, 75 pounds, something like that. And Emmett is the most fierce of the three. Too. 100%. So he, he is about that action. So, I mean, he, was, he grew up on the streets before we adopted him, and he is 100% about that life. Oh, pardon me. He is not allowed at the dog park anymore. Because uh, dog wanted to start a fight with him one day, and he finished it. <laughs> he was not. He's not going to. So your lightest dog. No, no is, dog. No dogs were actually harmed in the making of this fight. So your your lightest dog is your strongest dog, and you sleep with all of them in your bed. You probably get a little contorted in your back and your neck, Colby. I think that. I mean, that's, what am I supposed to do? Kick the dogs off onto the floor? Probably. Yeah. I disagree. You, you just you just have a messed up back. I'll for just the rest go to physical therapy and the chiropractor. I'd yeah. rather do that than kick the dogs off the bed. No. I'm a dog lover. Through and through. Through and through. That, uh, that's hey, I, my I, life. No, I feel, yeah, you, you would much Our rather. Our guy Sam uh, got a new dog. I haven't met it yet. Piper. Piper. Yeah. I Piper met down Piper the middle yet. of the fairway. Piper down the middle of the fairway. I uh, I can't wait to meet Piper. Adorable little pup. You can find it on the 73rd Hole Twitter account, at the 73rd Hole. He's uh, tweeted out some pictures. By the way, Taylor, Oklahoma Open this week. We got a big time pairing. How about Hayden Wood, Austin Ekro, Quade Cummins paired together uh, at Oak Tree this Thursday? Man, that might be uh, something to go out and try to watch. I mean, I that say, is... what's the policy on spectating? Because, I mean, you've got three professional golfers playing at Oak Tree on Thursday in the same group in Eckrode, Hayden Wood, and Quade Cummins. Well, I would say that uh, our man, our man Sam, who's out of town, we need to just let him say that he's in town and we'll just go stay at his house and then just watch from his balcony. It's a great point. I mean, why don't we just do that anyway? We could, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll just show up and we'll just take a picture of ourselves at his house and send it to him while he's on his honeymoon. I guarantee you he wouldn't give two shits. No, he definitely would not. He'd be like, he'd, he'd probably give us the code, whatever the code is to get in. Yeah. If you even need a code. I don't, I, I don't even know. I don't know either. Yeah, so, who knows? We'll, we'll just sit in the backyard, watch those guys come through, heckle them a little bit. Yeah, yelling their backswings. I mean, I, be- nothing better than a heckler at the Oklahoma Open. <laughs> 
No, do not. Do go watch. Don't go heckle. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? Come back on the other side. And our man Sam's going to join us from his honeymoon. Taking some time out of his day so on kind. a Tuesday. So, so kind. Sam Humphreys joins us next when we preview the BMW Championship here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Tuesday, Colby Powell and Taylor Williams. We're the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to Golf Oklahoma where you can read more about that pairing this week at the Oklahoma Open. Austin Eckrode, Hayden Wood, and Quade Cummins. Sam Humphreys joining us momentarily here on the 73rd Hole from his honeymoon. I want to remind everybody, follow us on Twitter at the 73rd Hole. Follow us on Instagram, 73rd Hole. And wherever you are listening to this podcast right now, Rate and subscribe. Give us five stars and let us know just exactly what it is that you love about the 73rd hole. And always hit us up on Twitter and Instagram with any questions or comments that you may have. And now we are joined by our man, Sam Humphreys, taking some time out of his day from his honeymoon. Sam, we appreciate you taking the time for us. What were your thoughts on what took place at the Northern Trust this past weekend and bleeding over into Monday? I think the reason why it may have been a little boring the first two to three days, three, uh, two and a half days, I'll say, uh, is because it's just such a brute of a course. I mean, you know, that whole back nine, there's just bogeys lurking everywhere. Uh, and we saw it by pretty much every guy. The only guy that finished strong was John Rahm. Uh, Sam, you know 20 under was what it took to get in the playoff, right? And John Rahm was not part of that 20 under. I don't know what this means. <laughs> Sam, I think you would agree it did end up being a pretty exciting finish at the Northern Trust set up for a great leaderboard at 5 p.m. Central Time yesterday. We have every big name in golf, it seemed like, uh, up there on the leaderboard. Sam, Finau was finally able to get it done. We've seen him finish second how many ever times. What are your thoughts on it? And then you have Finau um, coming down the stretch. He was playing great golf until uh, once you get to 18, I was going to bring up with, with Finau, I mean, obviously we talk about how he's finished second, whatever, like 11 times, but um, I, I think part of it has to do with, I saw that he, first of all, he played really quick on 18 on that second shot. He got a little quick, caught a little chunky and left on the, on 18, left it up on that hill, still made a nice up and down to get in the playoff. Sam, you seem to be a little bit off the mark today. Is your internet and everything working okay? My Cox line got completely clipped uh, by a Bobcat tractor. 
Well, that explains a lot, Sam. Um, you know, now that you guys are on your honeymoon out in Hawaii, are you guys doing anything fun while you're out there? Do you have Polish horseshoes? Uh, two glass bottles or cans and skates on ski poles. <laughs> you also have can jam, bocce ball, ramp shot. That looks fun. How do you even play those games? I don't know. Fair enough, I guess. Uh, let's get back to the Northern Trust. The shot that Finau hit into 13, ridiculous. More than 200 yards, six iron, hits up to a few feet, taps it in for Eagle, which really kind of sent him on the path to victory. Uh, I was wondering, what is your favorite thing personally about making an Eagle? It's a heavier birdie. <laughs> Well, I guess that, that does make a little bit of sense there, Sam, when, when you don't think about it. Uh, we ha- And we got a lot of feedback about our Ryder Cup conversation last week. Do you have Is there anyone on the U.S. side that you feel worse about making the Ryder Cup after this last tournament? Patrick Reed. And that loaded European side that you love so much, Sam, who, who's someone on that, on that side that you, that you feel worse about? Guido Miliozzi. I guess one of those kind of makes sense. Uh, let's get your DraftKings lineup for this week before we let you go. Why don't you go ahead and get us started with your cheapest option? All right, well, I'm going to start there in the middle like I've been talking about. I'm going to start at 7,500. I'm going with my man, Johnny Vegas. You love you some Johnny Vegas. All right, who's next? So I will go with 7,700, a guy that I haven't put in any uh, one-and-done or DraftKings lineup so far this year. I'm going Lonto Griffin. Yeah, so he's 89th in the FedEx Cup ranking, so he is not in the field. Please continue. Yeah, so I will go uh, with a guy, another guy that I haven't put in my DraftKings lineup so far this year, but I think it's time to roll Chucky Three Sticks out there. Sam, he wasn't even in last week's field. Uh, I, I guess keep going. And then I will go with 7,800 Ryan Moore. Okay, serious question. Did you even bother taking a look at this week's field before you filled out a lineup? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we might as well finish it at this point. Who's next? Go ahead. I am going to go with a guy that Data Golf's lo- Data Golf loves this week, uh, and I think the course really fits his game well. And it is my man, Doug Gim. Doug. And then we're going to find our best friend, Doug, and then we're going to give him our best friend, Hug. At least we got to hear the song. All right, who is your most expensive and final pick on DraftKings this week? I have Dustin Johnson as my top pick in DraftKings this week. Hey, look at that. We finally got someone who's actually in the field this week. Good stuff, Sam. Uh, All right, before we let you go, give us one name not in your lineup to watch out for this week. Tommy, 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 Fleetwood. Another guy not in the field. He must be playing at at the member guest at his local club. But uh, we're off the rails again, Sam. Thank you for joining us, and don't have too much fun on your honeymoon. T-Dub, it was great talking to you. Sounds like he enjoyed talking to you, T-Dub. I don't know about talking to me. We appreciate Sam taking the time, joining us from his honeymoon. He uh, He's way off the mark this way. I mean, his, his cox line got totally clipped by a bobcat tractor. So what can we expect whenever a guy's living without internet? Dude, you, you can't live. What What do you do? You have no internet. What, uh, I mean, what do you do? You just have no idea what happened at last week's tournament or who's in the field for this week's tournament. There is one thing I do, we do need to clear up, though, because we were talking before the break about going to Sam's house. we got to be respectful. It's not just Sam's house anymore. 
It is not just Sam's house. It also belongs to Reagan and Piper. Yeah. So we we maybe we can't just walk around like we own the place anymore. That's a maybe, great that's a great point. Maybe we got to be a little more respectful. Yeah. Something yeah. I hadn't considered. Women make you be respectful. It's funny how that works. Maybe it is funny how that works. They can be jackasses without women influence. It is funny how that works. We all need a good woman by our sides. Uh, oh, what about? Well, one, one yeah, thing, go ahead, go I ahead. was going to say because uh, I talked about this before the break. I didn't have it in front of me. Anna Nornquist. She's thirty-four years old. How about this stat, Colby? She is the only non-American woman to woman to have won major championships in three different decades. Wow. 2009, she won the um, Women's PGA. That's like I said. I knew she'd been out there for a minute. The longevity, she, man. I didn't realize it was that long ago. The only two that she hasn't won, she finished second at the uh, U.S. Women's Open, and she's finished fourth at the A&A Inspiration. Wow. So she's only two uh, two wins away from the career Grand Slam. Yeah. I mean, and to, I, that's crazy. The only non-American to have won in three different decades? That's that's yeah. insane. I mean, that's wild. So 09, what was the other one that she won? She won 09, she obviously won, 21. Uh, she won uh, 21, then she won the uh, 2017 uh, Evian Championship. Okay, very nice. Very nice. Great stuff. So very underrated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, we had some great thoughts there uh, from Sam on the Ryder Cup, so we can talk a little bit about how the Ryder Cup standings changed. He did mention that he does not feel as good about Patrick Reed after this past <laughs> week. For obvious reasons, Patrick Reed is dealing with double pneumonia and an ankle injury, so he withdrew from the Northern Trust with an ankle injury, a left ankle, uh, which obviously, golf swing, you got to get on your front side, left ankle, not a good place to have an injury. Don't know how he did it, uh, but he's dealing with the left ankle injury. And now he was also in a Houston area hospital. I believe he's now out, but he was in there with uh, what's called bilateral interstitial pneumonia, which is essentially double pneumonia. It's an infection in both lungs that can cause inflammation and scarring. So Patrick Reed on the mend will not be playing this week at the BMW Championship. And Taylor, I mean, it's just, it's a bad time to get an injury and an illness because, I mean, Steve Stricker is probably already kind of looking for a reason to leave Patrick Reed off the Ryder Cup team. And now with him not playing any golf at all and dealing with the sickness and the injury, I think that this just clearly paves a path for Steve Stricker to not include Patrick Reed in his captain's picks. Yeah, I, I know that we come on here and we talk a lot of smack on Reed for, for the way he acts on the golf course and even not being a nice guy off the golf course, but he definitely hasn't earned the right to have wished pneumonia on him. So definitely hope that he recovers from that and doesn't die on us. I mean, we don't necessarily want want the horrible to happen to him, even though we don't like him on the golf course. But for the golf side of it, Colby, I, I don't see any – this changes two things. One, I don't see any way that Reed can be picked now. I, I don't see how that's a possibility. And just based off of the standings, we talked about a little bit. If someone has a good week, they can move up. Fino's up to six in the Ryder Cup points. That's automatic. That's not even captain's pick anymore. That's automatic qualifying. Yeah. That pushed out uh, Shoffley. So now that that's made um, uh, Stricker's job a lot easier because now even if Fino drops out, he's a captain's pick. And so you basically got eight guys that are secure with uh, the, those six and then Shoffley and Speed. So then you, now, now you got four picks to choose so, from. So. so we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that these eight guys are going for the U.S. These the, these six are the automatic qualifiers. Morikawa, DJ, DeChambeau, Kepka, JT, and Fino. Those are your, your AQs right now, your top six. Xander's at seven. We know he's a shoe-in. Spieth's at eight. We know Spieth's a shoe-in. That's eight. So you've got four more. We we probably both agree Harris English is going. That's mm-hmm. nine. We both agree Patrick Cantlay is going. That's ten. And I think we probably both agree Daniel Berger is going. Yes. That's 11. That leaves us one spot now. We've got Webb Simpson, Scotty Scheffler, Billy Horschel, Jason Kokrak, Sam Burns, Kevin Kisner, Phil Mickelson, 
Is is that spot automatically going to Webb and Scheffler? Can he go any lower than that? If it does come down to Webb and Scheffler, which one of those two guys would you pick, and who do you think Stricker picks? Boy, that is tough. I'm... I really like the way that Scheffler's been playing, but I'm not going to lie. I think he may be putting a little bit of pressure on himself, trying to solidify himself a spot on that team. I think these next couple weeks are going to be extremely, extremely important because we talked about if someone wins and they move up, they have a good week. I mean, even scrolling down, like if, like mentioned Billy Horschel, if Billy Horschel goes out and wins this week, I mean, that's going to solidify. If Kokrak goes out and wins, that's going to solidify. Sam Burns played pretty good last week. If he has another good week, he might get, he might jump up there. I mean, it's, or what if Phil somehow learns how to play golf again? I I I was thinking to say, at this point, Stricker's not picking Phil, right? He can't. It's been so bad since the PGA. And it was so bad before the PGA. It truly was an anomaly. Truly an anomaly. I don't see how he could justify picking Phil Mickelson at this point based on four good rounds in an entire season of professional golf. I'd rather Stricker pick himself than Phil. Phil's playing so bad, man. And I love Phil. Everybody loves Phil. Phil would be great in the team room. Why doesn't Phil go as a vice captain? Seriously. Go as a vice captain if you want him in the team room. That's, I, I would like that a whole bunch more than having him on the team. Uh, I think a guy like Kisner is pretty much out. Some of these other guys, if they won this week, maybe they could work their way in. Uh, but I think that it's going to come down to Webb and Scheffler for that final spot. And if it does, I don't really think you can go wrong. I, and I don't know who I would pick. Maybe Scheffler because it's at Whistling Straits, and, and he's a, more of a bomber than Webb. But, I mean, Webb's got the experience. Webb's, you can pretty much pair Webb with anybody. Uh, Scheffler was runner-up the match play this year. I don't know if that impacts Stricker at all, but uh, it's going to get really interesting with Team USA. Don't think anything's really changed on the European side. Uh, Europeans, of course, have nine automatic qualifiers. We've got John Robb, Tommy Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Rory McIlroy, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Paul Casey, Victor Hovland, Lee Westwood, and Shane Lowry. Then your captain's picks, we would assume uh, Bobby McIntyre will be one, and then aside from that, Sergio, Justin Rose, Ian Poulter. Uh, I, think, I, I think I'm assuming... And I think this is where we disagreed last week. I think we all think Poulter's going, but I think Bobby Mack is going, and then he'll have to pick between Sergio and Rose. Don't you think Sergio and Rose are both going? Ah, the man, it's tough. It really is. Um, I think Sergio's still playing this week, so it'll... He is. So that, it, how he plays will be dependent. You just, you got the... the the experience there, like I, I'm made fun of Sam for keep bringing it up, but it is true whenever you're debating between players. And so, I mean, do you, Rose just been playing horribly. Sergio, I, I I would have to pick Sergio out of that. That so is what is it? Do we got two more, or is it just one of those three? So nine automatics, yeah. and then we all think Poulter's going right. Yes. So that leaves two more, and we've got Bobby Mack, Justin Rose, and Sergio Garcia. So two of those three have to go. One gets left out. Yeah, and I, man, I I will. I, I I probably agree with you, Colby, at, at this point. I'm probably leaving Rose out and going Sergio, uh, Bobby Mack. I mean, the only, the guys we're leaving out here are like Bern Wiesberger, Victor Perez, Guido, who Sam brought up, Thomas Dietrich, Richard Bland, Willett. No, those guys ain't going. No, those guys those guys don't have a chance. And so, and also, too, I mean, these automatic qualifiers could, could shift around. I mean, we saw it on the U.S. side. I mean, if... I'm assuming Westwood's going to get picked no matter what, but I so I don't know if that'll change a whole lot. But I I would probably pick McIntyre over Rose right now. It, it just depends on. I think his what, game fits Whistling Straits better too. I mean, I, we haven't seen him there, but I mean Bobby Mack can hit the ball a long way. It's going to be big bombs and wide fairways at Whistling Straits. It's as you can tell. I mean, I'm that's such an in between pick there. It's it's crazy with 
with that, but I, I I would probably lean towards Bobby Mack at this point. Probably just playing a little bit better guy, but I haven't seen Rose play because he since his three pound eighteen at Wyndham, so I might be just leaving a little bit of sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I mean he definitely choked his way out of the FedEx Cup playoffs and got to miss out on five days at Liberty National. How about this week at Caves Valley in the Baltimore area? We don't know a ton about Caves Valley. It's new. Uh, basically, Denny McCarthy earlier this week, or pardon me, last week said. It's just a big northeast bent grass golf course. Big northeast bent grass golf course. The first name that comes to my mind when I hear that is Dustin Johnson, but he's not in a ton of form right now, so I don't really know how to feel going into an unfamiliar golf course with the top 70 in the FedEx Cup and a whole bunch of points on the line. Man, I tell you what, I'm until I see something different, I'm not going to bet against Rome, at least not for a top five yeah. finish. So, I mean, I, I'm going to – I think he's playing undoubtedly the best golf in the world right now, I think. Like I mentioned earlier, he could have easily stayed and won that tournament if he had – excuse me, just not let the motions got the best of him. But at, at, to go on your DJ pick, I mean, yeah, he has not been not been bringing it. I mean, that's, uh, let me pull up his results really quick. I mean, obviously, we, we know how well a form he was on last year, and so that can kind of dilute the fact of, oh, well, he's just not – you could think that he's playing horribly, but he's just not living up to his expecta- expectations. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to stay clear of DJ. I think that there's some other guys that you, you can pick. But also, just looking on it, I mean, there's some of the other guys around there aren't necessarily surefire bets. But you, you look at it, so DJ missed the cut last week, finished 10th at the uh, FedEx St. Jude, missed the cut at the 3 and 4. That. So he's missed two of his last three cuts, and you never see that from DJ. And even before then, looked like he was kind of getting his form back. Finished top 10 at the Open, had um, top 25 finishes in three events before that, but has kind of lost a little bit. So I, I don't know. Maybe he's dealing with some off-the-course stuff. I'm not really sure what's going on there. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys around there, Colby, that, that I like their value on more than him. I, I think JT's playing better. I'd pick more cow over him. I think Finau's playing better, even though he won. And uh, maybe even Louie with the week off will come in and play well, too. So, I mean, just a lot of guys around there that I like a little bit more than DJ. So, let me give you numbers 21 through 30 in the FedEx Cup standings because these are the guys that would be most likely to drop out of the top 30 and miss out on a chance at Eastlake. And some of these names are going to surprise you that they're this far down the list. 21 is Joaquin Neiman. 22 is DJ. 23, Daniel Berger. 24, Scotty Scheffler. 25, Sungjae Im. 26, Patrick Reed, not in the field this week. 27, Billy Horschel. 28, Rory McIlroy, who really let me down last week. 29, Charlie Hoffman. 30, Max Homa. So those are your guys 21 through 30. And then the next 10 that could potentially get in if those guys play poorly or if they play pretty well. At 31, we've got Kevin Kisner. And then working our way down, Keegan Bradley, Siwoo Kim, Cameron Tringali, Mark Leishman, Cam Davis, KH Lee, Carlos Ortiz, Brian Harmon, and Hudson Swafford. So there's a lot of big names in that 21 to 30 range that could potentially be leapfrogged by some of these lesser names in the 31 to 40 range. It's uh, If there's much shakeup, that's where it's going to come from, unless one of these guys in the 50s or 60s actually wins the tournament. Yeah, so according to uh, Data Golf website, essentially everyone in the top 24 has a over 99% chance of making it. Really? So, okay. So, yeah, so everyone in the 25 to 30 range is kind of subject to to what's so, going so on. That, and even, so that's Sungjae, Patrick Reed, Billy Horschel, Rory McIlroy, Charlie Hoffman, and Max Homa. Yeah, and even um, even someone like Reed, who's not playing this week, still has a 90% chance being at 25.5, which I think is very, very interesting. So, 
it it it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if some of these guys and for example, so you scroll down j- just to put it into perspective, guys down like Phil Mickelson at seventy, we're we're seeing a point zero five percent chance to make it to the Tour Championship. So not is even a solo. I guess a solo second may get you in there, but even is a a tied third probably wouldn't even get you if you're down that far. So even someone like our boy Taylor Gooch is in sixty seventh. We're looking at a two point three percent chance to make it and uh, daddy golf really likes uh gooch because he's analytically one of the better players in the world so he's going to need a, a high finish so i mean th- these guys that are down here very low they, they need a really high finish but there there can be some shakeup if you're one of the guys 31 through 35 ish in particularly have a pretty good week you got a great chance of moving on so you just it, and it'll be interesting to see if these guys who are lower in the board do they put pressure on themselves to try to make a lot of birdies and to try to get up the leaderboard and do these guys around the 30 mark do they try to play tentatively and or play conservatively and might let it slip through their fingers a little bit yeah absolutely some of the biggest movers from last week it'd be crazy if a couple of these guys got to east lake alex noren was 91st going into last week he's 43rd now if he could get into east lake that'd take him from 91 to 30 in two weeks to top 30 in two weeks tom hoagie could go from 108 to top 30 in two weeks with a good finish this week he's 48th right now on the list so some guys could go from way out to being in keith mitchell's another one that was outside the top 100 he was 101st coming into last week a good finish could get him into the top 30 and to move from outside the top 90 or 100 into the top 30 would be two remarkable weeks of golf at exactly the right time well we kind of talked about this before the break but didn't really highlight on in particularly Going to the Tour Championship is you basically get in every tournament you want at that point. It's the same as being top fifty in the world. You, you also you, get free money. Exactly. You you just have to finish seventy two holes and you and you collect a, a, over three hundred thousand dollar check. I think that's the least that you get. Wow. For making it, so it just uh, the and, mo- and by the way, this week's free money as well. It's just not as much free money. Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah. Correct. And no, no cut. No cut this week. No cut. Yeah. So everyone plays four rounds as long as you want to tee it up. And so I think that whenever you break it down. Like that, I think that it's so much goes into it. And I want to see, in particularly, are we going to have the, the weirdness that we had last week of is someone going to randomly birdie or bogey 18 to let someone jump in yeah. or fall out of it? And that's I, it's going to be confusing to some people. It's how I like it. And some people are going to complain about it and think that it's really confusing. And it's going to be interesting to see who finishes 31 because I, we saw it a couple years ago. Speed finished 31 and wasn't able to do it. And that was the only event that he he actually got fined that year because he didn't play enough events because he was supposed to play the Tour Championship yep. to meet his minimum. And so it, someone like – I don't think that's the case for any of these guys. I'd have to look a little deeper into it. But someone like Rory, who's 28th, if he doesn't have a good week, he could easily fall out. And and he won at Quail Hollow this year. That yeah. goes to show how bad of a year that Rory had yeah. comparatively to what he's been playing. Right. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't get to East Lake, that would be a huge disappointment for Rory. Uh, now, the field this week, one thing that we should note, it is not a 70-man field. Patrick Reed is not in the field. You know what that means? That means that we have potentially the strongest field all year in the game of golf with 69 players exactly in the field. Do we have a strength of field? It's not out for yet. this week. It's not out yet. I wonder, if, it, I wonder if it's because the tournament ended so late yesterday. It had to be what it was, yeah. Because, um, I mean, everything came out like DraftKings and everything. Right. But, I, but may- it's Tuesday afternoon. We can't get a strength of field? Come we on. Don't, we don't have a strength of field out yet. No, we do have a strength of field for the Omega European Masters. It's a solid uh, 87. We got Victor Perez, Eric Van Royen, uh, boy uh, Guido. No, 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 no Eric Van Royen's here. Eric Van Royen's at uh, BMW. 
Okay, well then the Omega that might be why it's messed up. Then. It probably could because Eric Van Royen was supposed to play in Europe this week, but he had a high enough finish last week at Liberty National. He moved himself from seventy sixth into the mid forties. Yeah, so that that's so this eighty seven strength field will drop. Yes, it will. Because Van Roon's driving out. So, yeah, that, that has to be it because yeah, okay. other people are supposed to play. So, yeah. yeah, so the the switching up of players who are in different fields uh, with the FedEx Cup points. It'll probably probably be out later today. And if I had to guess, I don't know. I mean, last week was 828. We're taking 55 players out of the field, even if they're not really highly ranked. We're still taking 55 players out of the field. So, uh, I don't know, 550 maybe? This week? Something Let, something in that neighborhood? Let's see what it was last year. Okay, yeah. Look up BMW Championship for last year. And, of course, last year was an absolute instant classic between DJ and John Rahm. That was the one where uh, we had bombs going in on the 18th green in Chicago and Olympia Fields. That was the BMW Championship that was a borderline U.S. Open where guys were just – par was a good score last year at the BMW Championship. I don't expect that to be the case this week at – remind me the name of this, this goofy Caves, golf course. Caves Valley. Caves Valley. Tom, on, Tom Fazio design. I keep wanting to say uh, Payne's Valley, and that's definitely not it. Payne's Valley is definitely in September. Not in September. Payne's Valley is definitely in uh, Branson. I was thinking, how, I was, how do you get a location and a date mixed up? I was reading something about the Ryder Cup here and dates and Bryson doing long drive stuff, and it all just got mixed up. Speaking of that, I didn't realize this until after. You know that long drive thing is like the day after the Ryder Cup? Yeah, Ryder Cup's Friday through Sunday, and then Bryson's playing in the long drive deal starting that Monday. Playing in, that's just funny. Or Play, just playing hitting bombs. In. Yeah. Yeah, just hitting bombs. Is he going to come? He's going to come in last, right? Yeah, they, I believe they do it like a mat. Uh, they'll do like a bracket style where you go head to head against someone. And there's no way that he's going to beat any of these guys, I don't think. I, I, mean, mean, I, I think it's cool that he's going to do it. I think it's, you know, just grow the game, all that stuff. And it's, it's great pub for the long drive guys to go out there and beat Bryson DeChambeau, which they're going to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's, as long as he focuses on his game for the Ryder Cup, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that he wouldn't, uh, I think that it's being a little little overblown. I think people on Twitter were just looking for reasons to take shots at Bryson DeChambeau. If Bryson DeChambeau goes 0-4 in the Ryder Cup, then people are going to bring up the fact that he's been working on the long drive contest. If he goes 4-0, and then it's not going to get talked about at all. So, um, I don't know. I think the narrative will depend on how he plays at Whistling Straits. So, two years ago, the strength of field at the BMW was 709, and then oh. last year it was 6-something. Six, um, six I had my stat and I lost it. So, okay. it, was, it was like 660, somewhere okay. around there. So, so, it'll be upper sixes probably again? Yeah, somewhere around there. And, and you know, like, for example, Louie didn't – everyone's going to play this week that can except for Reed. But, you know, if someone isn't able to make it, that, that'll lower the strength of field. And, you know, the thing about Bryson is that it's not like that he's been playing super stellar up to this point, and then he then if he did fall off a cliff, I could understand that. But he hasn't been playing good in a while. So, I mean, be honest with you, I I don't really. I would probably sit him a couple times at, in the Ryder Cup just because he could spray it all over the map. Whistling straights, though, man, I don't know. I don't. It depends if you can really find somebody that you think would be a comfortable pairing. And that's the question with Bryson that I don't have the answer to. And I'm, I'm glad I'm not Steve Stricker. It's, being the Ryder Cup captain would be a blast. It's going to be really stressful for Stricker this year because Whistling Straits seems like it should fit Bryson, 
but you've got to find somebody who would feel comfortable playing with him in a team game. And as far as I know, Aaron Rodgers will not be qualifying for the Olympics. Not the Olympics, <laughs> the Ryder Cup. Can I yeah. speak today? What is going on I, 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 here? Sam keeps us together, I think. I guess so, man. It's uh, He's like the glue to this thing. Speaking of glue, if you need your back glued together, which I hope that you don't, but if you do, you need to go see our good friends at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley, both avid golfers, so they know what you are dealing with. High-quality, individualized patient care, total complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. That's what you like to hear. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he's double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Visit thespinecliniko.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Taylor, it is time to give out our DraftKings lineups for the week. Our man Sam already gave his. Let's hope that we can put together a little bit stronger lineups than Sam gave us for the week. I was almost DFL last week, so I'll let you go first. Number one, I had Patrick Reed in, who withdrew early Thursday. Then I had a couple of missed cuts. One of them was Adam Scott, who you had in the one and done. Uh, didn't he go like 67, 75? I think he was tied third or fourth after the first round missed cut. That's brutal. That, that's that's what that's normally what happens when, when you have a good first round. You just, and he shot, he shot four over on the day that everyone shot 62. So it was like, what are you doing, Adam Scott? So I'll, I'll go ahead and start us off here. My cheapest guy, I am going to go very, very, very bottom of the barrel. The reason, like you mentioned, Colby, there's no cut. So I'm going to go ahead and, and definitely know everyone's going to play four rounds. So I'm going to just look for someone who has been playing a little bit of good golf and get for good value. At 6000 give me KH Lee. Ooh. Has quietly made four straight cuts in a row. Um, made the cut last week um, or at the Northern Trust, yeah, last week. And then finished 24th at the Wyndham. Finished uh, tied sixth back at the uh, the 3M uh, just a few, just about a month ago. So um, for 6,000, I really like KH Lee and think that he'll finish closer to the middle of the pack than towards the bottom where he's ranked. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of players rostered in the low sixes this week because you don't normally have an option to roster really good players in the low sixes. I thought about Gooch at 6,200. He, he doesn't have a top 30 finish since he had the kid. So I'm just kind of waiting for that form to return, and then I'll start throwing Gooch back in. Uh, so my cheapest option this week, why not go with Mr. Birdie, Birdie, Birdie himself, earning his way into the PGA Championship, 6,500. Keith Mitchell, I'll take my chances that he can keep it rolling and play some more good golf this week. Uh, and then my second option at 7,100, uh, going with a guy who's very boomer bust, but in a no-cut situation, I like that. This is a guy that I roster a lot in limited field, no-cut events, because he has win equity. He has win potential, uh, but he could also just miss the cut any week. Let's see Woo Kim, 7,100. Very boomer bust option, but I like that option on no cut weeks. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one thing is that, and I'll, I'll get to Sung Jane a little bit, but him and Si Woo share the same thing. It's just, I don't know. I haven't looked into it when their military stuff will start, but because that was what's talked about in the Olympics. Yeah. But, but how much do you think that that has to play into your mind? I mean, knowing that, like, there's nothing really that you can do to stop it, that it's just coming. And it's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you get a certain sense of freeman and just play better? Or do you play tense because you're worried? I don't know. That's something that I never want to dream of and thankful that that in America. So I will go with my second most expensive 
guy who has some has some of the best hair in golf and has been playing pretty well. Give me Charlie Hoffman at seven thousand. I'm looking here. Finished twenty first last week. Um, besides his miscut at the Open Championship, had not had a miscut going all the way back to the Waste Management this year. So he's been playing really good this year. So I really like Charlie Hoffman, especially for the value at seven thousand. Then at- uh, also a lot to play for. Twenty ninth currently in the standings. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So, yeah, as we all know, that that is a very key spot to be in. Then my next pick, 7,700. Played pretty good last week. I like what I saw. I, I worry about the putter, but I think the ball strike will be enough. That's Keegan Bradley. I, I think he'll have a good week this week. Finished 11th last week. Finished 14th at the Rocket Mortgage about two months ago. Has He's, he's a hit-or-miss player, so we all, got the, we all know that. He finished second at the Valspar earlier this year. So, like I said, hit-or-miss, but I think that from what I saw last week, I think he's on that hit phase of his, of his game, so I'm going to ride it while it's there. Probably. I considered Keegan Bradley. I really did. I did not go with Keegan, though. No cut event. Give me another boomer bust guy. I'll take Cameron Champ at 7,300. Hopefully he can get the putter rolling like he did uh, several weeks back whenever he got a win. I don't think he wins this week. Big golf course, bent grass. I'll take Cameron Champ at 7,300. Then at 7,500, how about a guy who's finished top 25 in five of his last six events? And he's 7,500. He's not a big name, so he kind of comes in sneaky. Uh, also, always has first-round leader potential. Give me Cameron Tringali, good old triangle himself. Uh, maybe he can use the triangle method to get himself onto the podium at the end of the week. Yeah, Tringali's been playing some really good golf this year. He's in that group of guys that always flies under the radar, so I, de- I thought about Tringali as well. My next pick, Colby, 8,200. Give me Paul Casey. This guy has been playing, I mean, superb golf this year. He made the cut last week, didn't finish very well, 64th. But before then, finished fifth at the FedEx St. Jude, fourth at the Olympics. He was in that playoff uh, that that was so um, spectacular. We had the uh, 15th at the Open Championship. Then two top tens also in there. I'm sorry, three top tens since the PGA Championship even. So I love Paul Casey at 8,200. I think that's way too cheap. And then my next pick, Colby, literally I, I had to pick someone in this, in this price range, and I'm going with it because the theme that happens on the 73rd hole – when you have all your eggs in a basket, you're always a week early. That, that, that's what always happens. You yep. had all your eggs in the Rory basket, I think you're a week early. I'm rolling with him this week, 9,400. I think that's too cheap. He's, he's, a, he's on the 28th spot, so he's got that little bit of pressure on him. And Rory plays really good at Eastlake, and I know that he definitely wants to make it. So I would be surprised. I, I think my best bet of the week is probably a Rory top 10. I bet you can probably find some decent odds on that. Too. Yeah, it's tough, and I almost considered rostering, rostering him this week again, even after getting burned by him last week. But I think I'm going to save him for Eastlake. I'm not going to use him all three weeks. Assuming he makes it to Eastlake, I'll have him in my DraftKings lineup next week. Uh, my next most expensive option, so I've already given out four golfers in my most expensive 75, so you know where I'm headed next. My top two options... I mentioned DJ, big Northeast Bentgrass golf course. I, I don't know. Last year, he was struggling in the summer, and then what happened? Boom. Pops in the playoffs and just starts going nuts, and that's what kind of led him uh, on that big run that he went on. I'll take DJ at 10400 and hope that he finds the form that we know he's capable of this week at Caves Valley. And then my most expensive option, Tyler, answer me this. Is it full field or is it limited field this week? Limited field. And is there a cut or is there no cut? There's no cut this week, Colby. So... I think I'm going to take Xander Schauffele at 11,100. That would make sense. Xander Schauffele, all but one of his wins in his career. Limited field, no cut events. Ian, count me in on Xander Schauffele at 11,100. That is quite the premium to pay for Xander. I would have loved to get him in the 10s. I would have loved to get him closer to DJ's price. 
but I understand why he's not. Just won Olympic gold, and like I said, limited field, no cut. Xander Schauffele, those things are synonymous. I, re- I really like Xander this week. I-, I I like him more next week. I hope that he I'm rooting for him so hard at East Lake. But I gotta go with 600 more best golfer in the world right now, John Rahm. I think yeah. he's I think he's worth the price tag. I think he's worth 600 more bucks than than a Schauffele. And, and just scrolling through here, Colby, you know, looking at your DJ at at 10,400. I mean, I like him more than Kepka, who's just a little bit cheaper, 10,200. I would probably pick Morikawa over DJ if I had to guess. Um, I for 200 more, I like JT a little bit more than DJ. What do you think, Colby? Uh, how do you think Finau plays this week? He's 9,800 on DraftKings. I think Finau will finish 70 guys in the field. I think Finau will finish T47. Really? He hadn't won in five years, and it's a short week. It's a short, I mean, two days in between tournaments after going to the playoff, mentally, emotionally draining to finally get that win. I think that, uh, I think we're going to see him go out and just play very average golf, and then he can kind of get back to, to being Tony Finau. But the week after he finally breaks through, I just don't see him having the emotional energy to tee it up and have another good week three days after he finally gets the win. I would say, I, I think he's going to finish around T21-2, somewhere around okay. there. The reason is, you said, big, long, bent grass golf course. And yeah, so I think, that, I think that suits his game. I would expect, the last bet I would make is a Tony Finau leading after first round bet. I think he's going to have a horrible Thursday. But I think that as the week goes on with no cut, I think he'll throw in a six or seven under in there, if the course is playing easy. But he'll, he'll, he'll shoot a low round on... Saturday or Sunday to kind of backdoor one of those finishes. So I'm kind of with you. I think he doesn't have the best week, but I think he does. A, I think he has a little bit better week than you than you than you're thinking. Yeah. Okay. I mean, either way, we don't think he's going to contend, and I'd be surprised uh, if he did contend. By the way, well, shout out to our guy Sam who had Fee now in the one and done last week. I forgot that until I pulled up the sheet just now uh, and, to look at this week. I totally forgot about that too. No one in our hundred. How many ever person pool had Finau either? Wow. So what a pick, Sam. What a pick, Sam. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. Uh, Taylor, one and done this week. You you still have a lot to play for. Where are you at now in the season-long standings? Number two. Number two out of what, 110, 120? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something like that. So we got something to play for, baby. We've got something to play for. Who you got this week? Well, I had Cam Smith last week. He, the, the playoff definitely hurt me, but solo second will only it isn't so bad. Only got so many picks left, so these aren't the guys that I want to pick to win the tournament, but I do think that they'll have good weeks. So my first pick is this is who I was really liking going into the week, and this is who someone I don't, like I said, I don't think that they'll win, but I think a top 15 is, is in the books. And that's Mr. Shane Lowry, the four, the two-year uh Claret Jug Hoister before we just had our last open. So, but since then, Colby, he's finished T eleventh last week, twenty third, twenty second, twelfth, twenty third. Hasn't missed a cut since the Arnold Palmer earlier this year. So Shane wow. Lowry playing some really good golf. He's an automatic qualifier for the Ryder Cup. I think that he's kind of like a lot of the Europeans that kind of prep and get their mind ready for that time of year. And looking back on it, Lowry has played good around August this time of year. So I like him. And then. I, my next pick, I was. This is kind of where I was hesitant on, but I'm gonna roll with it. I brought it up earlier. You know how exactly does your mind work when you're dealing with such a stressful situation? But I look at it. I don't. Obviously, there's no cut, but I don't see any missed cuts from this guy since the Memorial earlier this year. Has back-to-back top 25s and has been 
been he, this last week he gained a lot of strokes tee to green. Let me get the exact number here so I don't botch my stat. But that's Sung JM. He gained 1.65 uh, tee to green last week, lost 0.2 on the greens. So if he can just get the putter figured out a little bit, we always talk about how much he likes Bermuda grass. But with it being long bent grass, I, I don't think that bothers me. I think that he's playing very steadily. And at the same time, I don't have I don't have Rom left. I don't have JT left. I don't have most people I, don't. I think a big name will win this tournament, in my opinion. And I, I know yeah, I kind of do too. I know that that's kind of a cliche or whatever because I mean it's one it's a playoff event. But I think a Rom or a JT DJ. I don't know. I, I wouldn't pick a Deschambeau. Maybe even I don't know. Speed shot eight over whatever on on Sunday or Monday. So I don't know how he'll do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if your shuffle won either, Colby. So I mean, and if if uh, Hovland gets a a putter in his bag, he might win. By the way, you mentioned Spieth's name. That uh, one of my stats of the week that I meant to share earlier. Jordan Spieth made back-to-back eagles in round two. He made back-to-back triples in round four. Spieth is the only player in the last 20 seasons to make consecutive eagles and consecutive triples or worse in the same PGA Tour event. How about that? I mean, that is... What kind of digging did you have to do to find that stat? Uh, I had to go to Justin Ray's Twitter account. Uh, who, who did Justin Ray have to? That's a but, great point. I, I don't mean, know. Who, I don't know who he gets his stats from, but at Justin Ray Golf on Twitter is worth a follow just to find all these random stats. By the way, we're now on what we believe, what Justin Ray believes. He can't find any streak longer. Fourteen straight events now on the PGA Tour have been won by players trailing, entering the final round. Taylor, can you name the last 54-hole leader or co-leader to win on the PGA Tour? How many weeks did you say, Colby? 14? 14. 14. We're going back three months. Three months we're going back. Was it Phil? Phil was the last 54-hole leader, co-leader to win a PGA Tour event. Is that not unbelievable? It's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Justin Ray said the, the longest stat that he could find uh, was like nine. Somebody else, a, a different year, we had nine in a row come from trailing, entering the final round. It just it puts in perspective Sleeping on the lead and going out and winning the next day is hard to do. 14 times in a row, a guy has slept on the lead and not won the tournament. Well, one thing that I've noticed in in a lot of these events, uh, since there's been playoffs, is playoffs, is that you'll see that, like, for example, Liberty National, this is just a comparison. On the back nine, you'll have your easy holes like 16 and the par fives, right? 13, yep. Yeah, and so you think that, okay, well, you see the first group of guys go through and they'll make birdies on it. And so you think that the leaders will do the same thing. You think that they'll birdie, and then so they'll push above it. And what happens is is that they don't birdie. It's similar to to Augusta, right, in a sense, where 13 and 15, you have guys that go through earlier, they birdie those holes, but yet you still expect the guys behind them to birdie as well. But But, but the guys went through earlier with a lot less pressure, and they were the chasers. When you're a chaser, it's a lot easier to just step up, swing loose, bomb it down the middle, hit your five iron in there to 30 feet, and two putt for an easy birdie. I mean, who who would have thought that Rom wouldn't have birdied 16 yesterday? Nobody. Nobody. I mean, you just count that. You just mark it. Is it? 300-yard hole, and you just think they'll make it three. Every player in the field was popping driver or three-wood up short left of the green, chipping it up to four feet and making it. Every every, every player in the field. Everyone was making three on that hole, and no one would have thought Rom did. So we just have this conception in our head that just because everyone else is doing it, the leaders coming behind them will do it too, and that's not what's been happening. Players like Russell Henley at the Wyndham is just, you know, missing four-footers. No one else before him was missing four-footers, you know? And so it's it's just funny how much that pressure can can really get to these players, no no matter what their skill level or how much money you're playing for. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Do you give two or one? 
Uh, I, I gave two, Lowry and Sungjae. Lowry and Sungjae, that's right. So I've got four players that I still want to use in the one and done. So I've got two this week. I've got two next week. This week, I'm running out Harris English and Scotty Scheffler. Those are two of my four highest-ranked players left. Uh, hopefully, they have good weeks. English been on good form. Scheffler has a lot to play for with the Ryder Cup, obviously. And it's a big, long golf course, bent grass. So uh, that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about Scheffler. So English and Scheffler. And then I've got two guys left for uh, Eastlake next week that I want to use. I don't have Sam's in front of me. I'll shoot him a text later and make sure that we get his pencil down because uh, I need to now hit a winner the next couple weeks because Sam has leapfrogged me by a couple million with his hit with Tony Finau this past week. Oh, yeah, and you don't want to have to owe Canes again. Uh, I'm very likely going to, unless Harris Engler or Scotty Scheffler put on a good performance this week. And so the thing, and if anyone else has won and done, it's probably the similar way where the Tour Championship, we do 15% of what they get their payout. And so 15 million, 15% of that is just a little over 2 million, essentially. It's like 2.3 or 2.25. I believe it's two and a quarter. Two and a quarter, yeah. And so you're you're pretty good at at quick math off your head like that. It's really impressive, actually. (laughs) And so you look at that. And so, for example, the second place winner will get 5 million. That's a solo second. And that's 5 million. So 15% of that's not even a million bucks. And so it's like, and if you have a tied for second, then there's, you know, what you're not even making that much money. So, while there's a lot of incentive to have the Tour Championship winner, even a second place isn't it is going to change the, a whole lot. I mean, it, it definitely will, but it's but, not. But a second place is going to get you lapped by whoever wins the tournament. Correct, yes. And so with, with the fact that we're starting out at whoever's leading this at 10 under, and then you have 9, 8, 7, I mean, it just completely skews the odds so much. And so it the, this tournament is even more important than than ever before because starting the church championship at seven under or starting it at three under is extremely different. Yeah, big difference. I mean, the thing about it, if one of the guys that are starting the tournament higher go out and shoot 67 and you're starting the tournament lower, you got to shoot 63 on day one just to be right there with those guys. And then what happens on day two? Then you have to go back it up again or those guys will run away from you. So definitely a goofy system, but uh, it is what it is. It is what we're dealing with. You think it's here to stay? Uh it depends how long you talk about it. In, in, in 10 years, will it still be here, this format? I don't think it will. I, I, I sure hope not. I think it's too goofy. I think it's too goofy to stick around for a decade, but you never know. I mean, what? I, I just I like the, the previous solution like we talked about, Colby. Just who cares if it's confusing? That's the point of it. It's, it's the same way all year. You don't need to change it for one week. Look, let me ask you this. Justin Rose and Tiger coming down on 18. Were we confused? We weren't confused. I mean, they laid it out for us on the broadcast exactly what each scenario was. We weren't confused. We knew Rose needed to birdie 18 to win the FedEx Cup. He did. We knew Tiger could win the tournament. He did. I, well, so what's so wrong with that? Nothing. What's so wrong with that? Well, I just don't see what's so wrong with a guy finishing top five of the Tour Championship and then winning the FedEx Cup. I mean, that's what Rose did. He got up and down out of the bunker to win. If he didn't get up and down, he wouldn't have won the, Church, he wouldn't right. have won the FedEx Cup. Because he had the best season. He didn't have the best week. He had the best season. Isn't that what the FedEx Cup is? Isn't it the season-long race? That's what they advertise. Yeah. When you're giving out $15 million, that's what you should do. And but. then and then we get situations like with Xander, where Xander's got the Tour Championship listed as a win on the official world golf ranking points because that's how the official world golf rankings do it. But yet DJ starts the tournament at 10 under. So 
Why is DJ going to be playing as aggressively as the guy's chasing him? Once DJ has the lead and he's got it sustained and everything, he doesn't need to go firing at flags. The guy's behind him might. So now DJ puts together the seventh best score over 54 holes, but he wins the tournament, which is what he needed to do. He accomplished what he set out to do that week, but he gets the world ranking points for a guy who would have finished seventh, and a guy who finishes fourth in the tournament gets world ranking points for finishing first because of how he performed over those four days. It just creates so much chaos in the system. Well, and th- this is where I think it'll be 10 years now that we mentioned it, Kobe, and I don't know how they'll implement it, but like, for example, what they're doing with the, the world go- or the world golf rankings, they're changing it to yeah. where they're implementing like strokes gained and all that stuff, for example. It's like, so if a guy wins by eight strokes, that should be worth more than winning in a playoff. I mean, obviously, should it not? Yeah. Oh, and for, here, here's, here's even a better example. When Phil Mickelson finished second to Stinson at the Open Championship, he played better than a second-place finish. Uh, I mean, Phil, I, I would say that Phil played the second-best tournament on the PGA Tour that season. And he got second-place points. For it, he, he just so happened to play the second-best tournament of the year the same week that Hendrick Stinson played the best tournament of the year. We're just getting into a much more analytically numbers-generated world, and I think that that'll be part of the system going forward. They try to simplify it, but it's... I, I think they did the opposite. So, so you know how we have like the A on risk reward challenge and the Wyndham and this stuff. It's like you find a big sponsor to get these big promotions where you give out a million or something. I feel like we're not too far away from a big company. You know, the AT&T strokes gained champion of the year where some company puts up $3 million and at the end of the year, whoever's number one in strokes gained total for the season gets the $3 million. Or you could have a company put up $5 million and whoever's number one in strokes gained off the tee, you get a million. You're number one in strokes gained putting, you get a million. You're number one in strokes gained uh, around, around the green, green, you get a million. Approach the green. Uh, I mean, that'd be some great incentive for a guy like Denny McCarthy to get a little extra scratch in his pocket. That's a really good point. Go on and be the best putter on tour all year. You get a million for a promotion at the end of the season. I actually really like that idea. The, the only uh, the only statement I have is you have to cut it off at the Wyndham because only so yes. many players yes. go on to the playoffs. Yep. And so, uh, just like they do the Island Risk Reward Challenge. Exactly, yeah. So you can't be leading and then get fortunate enough to go to Eastlake and play like crap and, and, and then, you lose it and hit horrible chip shots and then you lose the around the green stat you know right. or something like that yeah so they gotta cut it off there but yeah I really like that idea Colby so many good things coming out of the 73rd hole that's all for this week PGA Tour messed up our schedule by going to a Monday thank you Tropical Storm Henry I know Tony, Tony Finau appreciates your services making the golf course nice and soft uh, we will be back next week I believe Sam Humphreys will be here with us I don't actually know how long he's gone for but I believe he will be here with us next week as we make our way toward the Tour Championship at Eastlake. Next week's going to be a heck of a week. College football getting underway, Tour Championship. I'm sure everybody's got their fantasy football drafts going. It's it's just one of the best times of the year. So a uh, lot going. We'll have a lot more Ryder Cup talk next week after we've got another week of data. Some guys can make some moves this week. So good stuff. Taylor, everybody, golfoklahoma.org. Check it out. We'll be back next week. Fantasy football. Don't draft Travis Etienne. Out for the Don't year. draft Travis Etienne. If you're looking for an Etienne who might be productive this year, how about Caleb Etienne on the Oklahoma State offensive line? 6'8", 340. That's, that's, Give I me want, that. I want him hitting a golf ball. Give me that. Junior college transfer. You can't, you can't teach Etienne. size. You can't teach size. Absolutely not. Great stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>